For the sake of this morning's sermon, I, I ask you to use your imagination with me. I ask you to pretend for just a few moments that you are not here in the auditorium, but rather you are in a courtroom. And you have not come here to worship, but you are a part of the jury. And so I want you to envision yourself in this jury box, in this courtroom, and you have a very important decision to make. And that is whether or not the resurrection of Jesus truly occurred. You see, if the resurrection of Jesus is not true, if it indeed is a lie, then Christianity as we know it is nothing but a myth. If it did happen, if it is true, then everything Jesus said and did is true. Which then guarantees for us and, and for all mankind the hope of forgiveness of sins and life everlasting in the very presence of God in this eternal home called heaven if we're obediently following in the footsteps of Jesus here on this earth. The Apostle Paul said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. So the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is either one of the most heartless lies that has ever been told, or it is the most phenomenal truth that mankind has ever known. I stand before you today and I tell you, I believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 says, To these He also presented Himself alive after His suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to share with you three biblical truths that I believe prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first is this. It's that empty tomb. There is no better proof, probably, than that empty tomb. As one reads of the account of the death of Jesus Christ, you know that after they took His body off of the cross, they put him in a tomb. And there at that tomb, they, they rolled a giant stone in front of the tomb. And they placed two Roman guards in front. Now listen, sometimes when you see images of these guards standing in front of the tomb, you see two skinny guys with a spear in each hand, right? These were Roman gladiators. These were individuals who had been trained and were prepared for war. And these Roman soldiers, they were placed at this tomb for one purpose. To guard the area of this tomb. To make sure that nothing happened. As a matter of fact, Rome was so serious about it, they even put a seal 
on the tomb, a Roman seal. Why? Well, that was to let anybody know if by chance you get past our guards, if you do anything to disturb this tomb, if this seal is broken for any reason, you will suffer the wrath of Rome. This tomb? This tomb was highly protected. But in spite of all of that, in spite of all of that, that tomb was still found empty. And when it was found empty, it proved, surely proved the resurrection of Jesus. Now listen, I know. I know that over the course of time, I know mankind has come up with a lot of different excuses to try to explain away the resurrection of Jesus. I know that there are those out there who would say, it was His followers. You know, those disciples, they just went and stole the body of Jesus. That's all that happened. Okay? Those disciples. The same ones who were so scared the night of His arrest that they all ran away. Those same disciples regrouped somewhere and overpowered this Roman guards and rolled away this huge stone and stole this body and then hid this body and then created this story of a resurrection that many of them would ultimately die for. No. No, that doesn't make much sense to me. Others would say, well, it was obviously the religious leaders of the day. They, they didn't want there to be a, a place where you could go worship Jesus. And so they wanted to squash Christianity, so they stole the body of Jesus. The religious leaders. The same ones who had put Jesus to death. You know what? All they would have had to have done was parade the lifeless body of Jesus through the streets of Jerusalem. And Christianity as we know it would have been dead before it ever began. But they didn't do that because they didn't have His body. Because His body wasn't lifeless. He's alive. He was alive then and He's alive today. And it makes a huge impact on our lives. But you know what? That, that empty tomb, that's not the only proof. And, and truth be told, that wasn't even really good enough for the disciples, was it? They weren't exactly living like they really believed that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. I mean, all you have to do is look and see what they were doing right around that time. And they weren't living and waiting with this great anticipation that Jesus would be coming back. So they needed a little something else. A little something more than just an empty tomb. That's why there were multiple witnesses. As a matter of fact, over 500 people saw Jesus after the death and burial of Jesus. We read in Acts 1 and verse 3 a few moments ago that Jesus gave unquestionable proof that He was alive. He appeared. He appeared there in the cemetery to Mary Magdalene. He, he appeared to the disciples. <laughs> he appeared to them in a room where the door was shut and locked. He appeared to them there. 
He appeared to, to two men who were just on their way. They were on the road to Emmaus. And they were just traveling along. And He appeared to them. And He appeared to so, so many others. Some in groups. Some individually. Some by day. Some by night. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, For I delivered to you as the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. Over 500 people could testify to the fact they had been eyewitnesses. They had seen with their own eyes Jesus Christ. And that He was not dead. He was indeed alive. And so as Christianity is in its infancy, there at the very beginning, there are over 500 people, not just the twelve, not just those closest to Him. There are over 500 people who could say, y'all, I saw Him too. Absolutely. I saw Him. He appeared to me. I know that He is alive. And of course, one of those He appeared to was Peter. And I know how you remember Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost there in Acts chapter 2. You remember what he said in verse 32? He said, this Jesus God raised up again. To which what? We are all witnesses. Peter's preaching the sermon in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He's preaching this sermon where they crucified Jesus. He's preaching this sermon where they had buried Jesus. He's preaching this sermon in the very presence of hundreds of people who know that that tomb is empty And they themselves can testify to the fact He had appeared to them. Wow! And of course, I know you remember that Jesus had more than one encounter with Peter. As a matter of fact, Peter talked with Jesus. He saw Jesus. Peter even had breakfast on the beach with Jesus, okay? I mean, Peter had several experiences following the crucifixion and the death of Jesus with Jesus. And that's why Peter could so eloquently write so many years later over in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. There's a third exhibit here. It's changed lives. Those who met the resurrected Savior, their lives were forever transformed. They were changed. They became different. Something had to happen to take those cowards who fled in the night as Jesus was being arrested. Remember those guys? Those guys who ran away. And now, Jesus has been crucified And they've kind of regrouped. (laughs) They're together again. And they're in a room. 
They think they're all by themselves. Doors shut, doors locked, they're afraid. They're living in fear. What's their fear? Their fear is their next, okay? Their fear is in the same way they crucified Jesus, they're going to crucify them just for being followers of His. So they've been living in fear. They fled in fear when Jesus was arrested, and now they've gathered here in fear after His crucifixion. And it's here in this place that the resurrected Savior appears to them. In John chapter 20, beginning of verse 19, when therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when He said this, He showed them both His hands and His side. And the disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Instead of confronting them for being such cowards and running away when things got hot, (laughs) instead of getting after them for not having the faith in Him to do exactly what He said He was going to do. He said it over and over again. I'm going to die. I'll come back in three days. Time and time again, He let them know exactly what the plan was and it just didn't click with them. But instead of coming down on them, He says, peace. Peace be with you. And in that moment, In that moment, their peace turned to joy. That peace gave them joy inexplainable. Wow, these men. You you know the rest of the story, don't you? How these men, these same men who had scattered in the night when things got tough, these same men would now take the Gospel of Jesus to the whole known world. It must have been for money must have been for power must have been for fame no it was none of those things then why because they had been in the presence of a living savior they'd been in the presence of the resurrected jesus and being in his presence took their fear and turned it into joy being in his presence took their fear and strengthened their faith which enabled them to go and to do even in the face of their own persecution and even in the face of at times their own death all in the name of Jesus and these were the same guys who ran away but after the resurrection of Jesus they would boldly stand and proclaim Christ, the risen Savior. That He is the way and the only way. What but a resurrected Savior would bring about that type of change? So what's your verdict? What is the conclusion that you reach? It could be 
it could be you're here this morning and you believe. You believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But you're really just not convinced it impacts your life today. That it, it was a really good thing that happened all those years ago and, and you're glad it happened. It's a, it's a neat story to tell, but you're just not really convinced the impact that it can have on your life in the here and now. Listen, before you leave this place, let me just share with you quickly the good that the resurrection of Jesus can have in your life right now. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, it begins to answer a lot of questions that many of us, I would dare say most of us, at different points in our lives, we struggle with. Questions like doubt or loneliness or weakness, guilt, or even death itself. And the resurrection of Jesus, when we finally begin to understand it, when we finally begin to believe it for what it is, suddenly all of these things, all of these questions, they become resolved. Doubt. How do I know what's true? How, how can I know what truth even is? Like Thomas, like Thomas there in John chapter 20, who said he, he wouldn't believe it until he saw it, until he, he touched the hands of Jesus, until he felt his side, and, and he did just that. Evidence, evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that then eliminated all doubt in his mind. Evidence that Jesus indeed raised by the power of God, was raised from death itself, it can eliminate doubt in our mind as well. What about loneliness? A lot of people struggle with loneliness in this world. Does anybody really care about me? A am I really that important to anyone? I, I feel so lost and so alone at times. Does anyone care? Yes. Do you know what it was? Do you know what it was that compelled God to send His Son to this earth to live a life sinless, go to the cross for your sins and mine, be resurrected from the grave three days later? Do you know what what compelled that to begin with? Love. John 3.16 tells us that, right? For God so loved the world. That's why He did all of this. In those moments where you feel alone, in those moments where you feel lost, in those moments where you feel like surely no one cares, you know what? Truth be told, maybe nobody on earth does care. I don't know. But I know one who does care about you. I know one who loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die in your place. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's a love my brain has a hard time comprehending. Because I look around this room and I see a lot of people that I love very much. I don't believe I'm going to let my son die for any of you. But my Heavenly Father, He let His Son die for even those He knew would reject Him. Those who hate Him. Those who despise Him. Those who don't even believe in Him. He let His Son die for them. 
Because He loves us that much. So what is a, a very human need that we all have? We all have a very human need for relationships. Oh man, there is no better, better relationship on this earth to have than a strong relationship with God in Christ. And the reason you can have that relationship with Christ is because He's alive. You can't have a relationship with a dead person. But you can have a relationship with Christ. Because He is and forever will be alive. What about weakness? I feel, I feel so weak some days. I, I just don't feel strong enough to, to do what I know I need to do or to stay away from what I, I know I need to stay away from. How, how do we deal with weakness? What does, what does the resurrection of Jesus do for us in regards to our own weaknesses? The same power, the same power that raised Jesus from that grave, that power, strength, confidence, that power can be ours in Christ. A power to face whatever the day has to throw at us so that we are able to do as He has called us to do. But it's not by our own might. It's not by our own power. We're able to do those things because of the power of God. That same power that resurrected Jesus is a power that can resurrect and change our lives as well if we will let Him. Guilt? Do you carry any guilt from past sin? The resurrection of Jesus proves that you don't have to. That you can be made whole. That, that you can find cleansing. That your conscience can be completely cleaned. That, that whatever it is that's in your past that you carry with you, you don't have to carry it anymore. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus because of the resurrection of Jesus you don't have to carry that burden what about death oh nobody likes death we don't like talking about it we sure don't like to face it we avoid it if all possible we carry a lot of questions about it. What happens? When's it going to happen? What will it be like? Will it hurt? Will it not hurt? And there's lots of questions about death that I don't know because I've never died. And I look around this room and I'm pretty sure none of y'all have either. But what I do know is this. Because of the resurrection, we don't have to fear death. Isn't that something? Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of death itself. Because Jesus was resurrected from the grave. Because Jesus overcame death by the power of God. Death doesn't have to be the final word in our life either. For a child of God's, thanks be to the resurrection of Jesus, death isn't the end. Death is merely a doorway 
to life everlasting. That's all. The Apostle Paul said what? Death is a gang. It's a gang. We tend to think in our human minds that death is a loss. And that's what we talk about, don't we? We lost somebody. We love. We've lost them. No. Death is a gain because we gain so much, so much when we leave this old temporary earthly home with all of its pain and all of its sorrow and all of its uncertainty and all of its sickness and all of its tears and all of its death. We leave all the things of this life behind. And we have the promise of something so much better that's everlasting. That's impossible without the resurrection of Jesus. Absolutely impossible. So you see, so many of the, the questions that we have here on this earth, they can be eliminated Thanks be to God who allowed His Son to come to this earth and die on the cross and then He raised Him from the dead those three days later. Jerry, I turn it back over to you, I guess. What is your decision? What is your verdict? Maybe Maybe you've never given your life to the one who gave his for you. Are you ready to surrender your life and to say, this is not about me anymore. I want to live for God because I can see what all he's done for me. And I, I can understand the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I believe it's real. I, I can see what he's done for me. I have a hard time wrapping my simple human mind around it sometimes to really appreciate the awesomeness of it, but I, I know that it's real. I want to surrender my life to Him. I, I want to put all things uh, on the, at the feet of Jesus. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for Him. You know, you begin that journey by reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Many of us, we've done that. Maybe you're here today and you've never done that. You've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Listen, the water's ready today if you are. Or maybe just as a child of God's. You're here today, you've, you've made that most important decision, but maybe there's just something in your life right now that you just really need the prayers of the church. I don't know what it is, but you do. Maybe it's an unresolved sin in your life. Maybe it's a physical struggle you have, an emotional one you have, I'm not sure, but, but you know what it is. And I want you to know whatever it is that you can take it to the foot of the cross. And you have a father who loves you so much, he wants to hear from you. He wants to know your pain. He wants to hear our prayers. Father who loves us so much he let his son die for us we can help you we can help you in any way won't you come as we stand and sing